Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. He konai purangi te nei na te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. Na mihi nui. I'm Alison Balance, and welcome to this Our Changing World podcast from RNZ. Take some old weather records. Add citizen scientists. Mix in machine learning from Microsoft's AI for Earth project. And what you end up with is something that might help predict future weather patterns. I'm off to Niwa to find out more from climate scientist Andrew Laurie. So Drew, you are rifling through a venerable box of treasures. Faded paper, which are... Registers of rainfall in 1944. Yeah, this is Tongan rainfall during the war. And you can see that, yeah, they, they were quite dutiful in doing the rain and the obs every day, no matter what was going on. We get that a lot from manual observers. They'll just carry on no matter what's happening. So have you got boxes and boxes of these weather records? There are troves you know, treasure troves of stuff like this down at Newa Wellington. And these ones in particular, this is a bit of a mixed bag, but we have boxes just like this that contain our primary climate observing stations and some of our longest term stations. Some go back to 1850s, early 1850s. 1850s we started recording with it and we've kept the records. Yeah, we have the original records. So basically the barracks at Albert Park from the, the Royal Engineers, 1852 course that got decommissioned in the late 1990s but it went for a very very long time and um, those were the first truly official government regimented observations of course we've got the earlier ones from reverend richard davis that we found in the auckland library tell me about those sure reverend richard davis he was a missionary for the church mission society based in the far north the waimate north in kaikoi and uh, we found a diary meteorological diary that was in um, the special collections in auckland city library and digitized that record analyzed it and it dates back to 1839 so it's our oldest set of meteorological observations and Kate DeCourcy, who's, I think, retired now, she helped me out. She was at the library at the time. And Kirsty Webb nominated that collection for UNESCO Memory of the World Status, and it was, I guess, inducted very recently. We found some really amazing things in it, um, quite unusual things, snowfall in the far north, you know, snow persisting for a couple of days on the ground. And, of course, we're, we're, we're wanting to understand those types of extremes and how and why they happen for New Zealand and whether or not that's going to be something we see less of or is it something we're going to see more of with climate change. How many times have we had snow recorded in Northland? It's looking like it's somewhere on the average of like 60 to 80 years, the return event for for some of these snowfall events. Um, Certainly there was a decent one in in 1939, so we're studying that one right now as part of an AI for Earth project that uh, Microsoft is supporting, which is helping to lend a hand in how we capture these old analog data and digitize them. Okay, so you've got boxes... (laughs) <laughs> boxes and boxes and boxes, miles. Well, these pieces of paper, and how do you go about digitizing them? So the first thing is that we need a digi- we need a digital surrogate of all these pages. Which is taking a photograph of them, basically. Exactly, taking a photograph in a regimented way so that they're all done the same way. Some of these documents, for example, are 
written by some pretty famous scientists in New Zealand. I mean, if you look at some of the names on it, I recognize, you know, Cheeseman, who is a, you know, what ecologist, botanist um, type. He was taking the weather observations, you know. And if you think about me going into the archive and if I have to check a value on it to say, is this actually correct? Did we key it in correctly? I don't want to handle the original. We need to start handling digital copies. The other thing is that if anything, God forbid, were to happen to the building or the archive... Um, we've got this stuff stored for posterity in the cloud. Yeah, somewhere. because at the moment you have one copy. That's right. Well, there, there may be other copies, but from from our understanding, those are the original copies. So they have historic significance, and they have cultural and scientific significance, and and, and it's being a data steward is important. And we've got to we've got to now up our game in terms of capturing these the right way, and then keying it in. Um, this is this is light in terms of the observations on the sheet. It's got three columns with, and with it's very tightly written. It is, it is. That one's, even I could translate that. That one. one's not bad, but let me find you a different one. <laughs> that would not be so nice. We're heading to Norfolk Island, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so <laughs> that one's actually pretty nice. But if you look at some of the, the, it's getting a bit more spidery though. Yeah, a bit more, a bit more. A really funny one was the earliest record from Campbell Island, which was done in the first decade of the 1900s. And my colleague, Matt McGlone, was has done a lot of work down there on paleoecology over the years, and he, he keyed that record himself and gave it back to us. And what was really interesting was seeing the handwriting, the person, the first month of the first year that they were based there. I mean, it was beautiful. This was one of the shepherds or something. Yeah, it would have been somebody taking care of the station down there. And then, um, and then, if you look at the last page in the last year, I mean, it was just frantic. <laughs> it just scrawled over the page, you know, same person writing as well. So we've got registers, meteorological registers, that have a lot of columns across the page, and it's inconsistent with how neat the handwriting is. And normally what we would do is somebody would have to sit there and key it all in, and that's, that's a lot of cost and time and money. So have you been getting people to help you in this we have so we use um, citizen science to help us key it in and what we're able to do is we're able to take snippets of these forms put it up onto a website that describes what our mission is and why we want the data keyed and people are incredibly helpful they'll come along and they'll they'll key um, bits and pieces as they can spend five minutes doing a keying that's five minutes that we didn't have to spend doing it but we do it repetitively so we've got different operators who are keying the same thing multiple times over and over again so, so you get five or ten people whatever doing the same page well we ran an experiment to determine what the optimal number of people is which is which is eight it looks to us like it's eight because it allows us to get a complete data set from whatever we put up, and we're also able to understand how many of the entries, what percentage might have what's called a type 1 error or a type 2 error. So right now, what's a really exciting thing at NEWA is that this has some traction in terms of bringing our historic data into the future by capturing it and preserving it for posterity. So the, the first effort you did with your citizen scientists, you chose a particular week, I think. Yeah, so it was the snowfall event, um, the week it snowed everywhere in 1939, and we had a dusting of snow on Mount Eden. The 30s were a very unusual decade in terms of variability. Climate variability was a bit weird. And up until recently, we I think we had one of the highest January temperatures until we got the marine heat wave of 2018. So, yeah, it's, a, it's an unusual 
decade, and that in particular was an unusual season because of the snowfall event that that happened about that time. And another reason for wanting to focus on this, this event was it's a very good example of testing our data capture using citizen science. And the great thing about citizen science is that, again, we get back 100% data set, and we, we have very high confidence that it's correct. And what that means is that we can basically start using that correct data set and these images, these little snips of each of these numbers, to train computers how to do it. Aha, uh-huh, so that's the, the Microsoft AI connection. Correct. Yeah, so there's a couple of approaches that can be taken, and they have cognitive services that they use where they could take and upload these images, and they've got AI running in the background that can basically give us an answer of what it thinks these numbers are. And it's a, it's, a, it's a very difficult thing to get right. No one's really solved it yet in terms of tabulated scientific data. It's, it's hard. It's a lot harder than words. So how do they do that? Because they must have to tell the computer some rules about what makes a two look like a two compared to the five that's sitting next to. Yeah, that's right. So there are rules. It is a supervised machine learning exercise where you have exemplars. You have thousands of exemplars that are in in a library, and the image analysis that's done um, basically can see that this line going vertically down a cell, start and stop, is a one. And so it needs to be trained. What does a one look like? And, and if you think about some of the methods that are used that uses a global data set, what's called the MNIST data set, there are 65,000 examples across letters and numbers that exist. And, and so when you chop that down for individual letters and then individual numbers, it's actually not a lot of examples. Because you've got 26 letters and basically 10, and 10 numerals. 10, 10 numerals, that's right. And so then do you choose to analyze this by individual number or do you use um, both integers together as... It's number twenty one. Really the whole the whole premise though behind it is that if we're going to do this type of machine learning exercise, doing citizen science data capture of meteorological data, in the first instance we get the data and we can use it in the modeling that we do and and improving the records of our past and putting it together with other data. And then the serendipitous outcome is that we have a hundred percent complete data set that can be used for training machines how to transcribe scientific data that is in numeric format. So have you unleashed that AI yet on some novel numbers that you haven't trained it on? We're baby steps right now. So I think that we're the, we're the, the first couple of steps out of the blocks, so to speak, where we've got the approach. And it's what, a marathon? Yeah, it's going to be a marathon, all right. It's, it might be a couple of marathons. But you still need someone to digitize these, so we need that's people. a professional job. Yeah, well, we need people to digitize them. So, I mean, digitize in terms of, like, taking um, and capturing them, capturing the digital surrogate. I have somebody down in Wellington um, who is working to do that photography on some of our larger format material. We've also acquired a new scanner, um, a high-speed scanner that can do 130 of these pages uh, basically in a minute. And so if you feel this... The texture of this, it's basically thick. It's like oak tag paper. Mm. And so we want, nice. to, we want to also make sure that when we put this through one of those devices, it's not going to ruin it. So, you know, some of these are historic documents. I mean, war, Tonga. Yeah, absolutely. Some of them are not in great nick either, if you look at it. Um, some of them there's are some quite paper. delicate sheets in yeah, there. Yeah, there are delicate sheets in and here. These ones with torn edges? Yeah, 1928. Norfolk Island, 1928. 
So pretty, pretty incredible. Um, we scan both sides because sometimes on the backs of these forms, you have someone's life history <laughs> of being all alone out on a Pacific island watching the weather for three years and lamenting, oh, what, my family. So look, it's, it's just taking care. It's just ensuring that you pay this document respect because a lot of effort went into taking the observations and then carrying it forward in time and being a steward of these data and then being able to use these data for the betterment of humankind, that's the goal. Just going back to that week it snowed everywhere, did it snow right up to the tip of Northland? Well, I mean, yeah, 39 did. There's a eyewitness observation from Cape Renga's lighthouse operator that um, snow was on the hills up there, whole country. It was a, basically a rolling buffet over a week of different towns getting um, getting hit by this system. July and August in general uh, appeared to be very snowy that year. There, were, there was quite a, a decent amount. Thanks, Drew. Andrew Laurie studies past climates, and he is at Niwa. I'm Alison Balance, and this Our Changing World podcast from RNZ first aired on the 30th of July, 2020. You can listen again and find photos at our webpage, rnz.co.nz slash ourchangingworld. We have a free weekly email newsletter. It's very easy to subscribe to, and you can find the link to do that at the bottom of the webpage. That website again, rnz.co.nz slash ourchangingworld. RNZ Our Changing World is also on your favourite podcast app. Do do a search for RNZ on your podcast app as there is a bonanza of new RNZ podcasts at the moment to discover. There are new seasons of Black Sheep, Eating Fried Chicken in the Shower and Healthy or Hoax. There are also new series such as The Unthinkable, and Getting Better, A Year in the Life of a Māori Medical Student. Check them out. They are great listening. If you'd like to get in touch or just follow along, we're on Facebook and Twitter as RNZ Science. Many thanks for your company. Stay safe and catch you next time. Kia pai tō rā.